Welcome to Activity Quest, the podcast that's packed with stuff to do. This week, Adam's going on a walk around London, George is still riding roller coasters, and we've got events from across the UK. Now, every episode of Activity Quest starts with a fun kids presenter getting out and about. Today, Adam's in the heart of the capital. Thanks, Bex. Yes, I am in the city of London today. In fact, it's just around the corner from the Fun Kids studios. And we're going to go on a bit of a walk. In fact, we're going to go on a Roman walk. We're going to go back in time and find out all about Roman Britain. These are the Fun Kids Family Walks. Wherever you're listening to Activity Quest, you can just search Fun Kids Family Walks and you'll be able to find them. In fact, if you head to funkidslive.com forward slash walks... You'll also be able to download a PDF pack to take with you on your walk, and that'll include all sorts of amazing things you'll be able to find out about secret lost treasures and what London used to look like. It's phenomenal. These are the Fun Kids Family Walks. Find them, Fun Kids Family Walks, wherever you're listening to this. This is the very first one. It's all about Roman Britain. And I... Did it just this weekend. City of London walks. Walk the Roman life. Walking's a great way to get out and stay healthy and to find out more about this exciting part of London. The City of London, or the Square Mile, is packed full of history and interesting things to see and do. And this walk starts here, at Tower Hill Underground Station. Some of the roads in the City of London can be very busy, so please take care on the walk when it's time to cross a road. And remember, you can pause wherever you want if you'd like to look for a bit longer. Then just restart the walk again when you're ready. You'll hear an audio clue. Pause audio. When to do so. This walk is all about life in Roman London, or should I say, Londinium. When the Romans invaded Britain in AD 50, nearly 2,000 years ago, They built a bridge over the River Thames, close to where the current London Bridge is now, and created a settlement around it, which they called Londinium. This was a great place for trade, with the river providing a route for goods to come in, and also to be taken overseas. Traders flocked to Londinium to buy and to sell. Now, it can be hard to picture what life would have been like in Roman London, not least as many of the remains are under our feet up to seven metres down and covered by centuries of building and debris from fires and bombs. However, remains can be found, and that's what we're going to be checking out. Many of these have been unearthed when construction workers have built foundations for new buildings or in archaeological digs. I wonder what there might still be there to find. Come on, let's begin! Our walk starts here at Tower Hill. Today, the area is dominated by the Tower of London, but that's not why we're here. We're looking for something even older than the famous palace. By the entrance to the tube station, you'll see the best surviving section of the Roman city wall. At least ten and a half metres tall. I must point out, it's not all Roman. The Roman part can be seen up to the level of where the guards used to work, roughly up to around four metres. You can see their trademark square stone blocks with regular triple rows of red Roman tiles. This is the building method that the Romans used all along the city wall. If you look closely, you'll see the remaining fragments of two walls that were once the walls of a small internal tower. Can you see differences in the type of brick? So, what was the point of a wall like this? Well, walls keep things in. And out. 
and the Roman wall around the city of London was very much to keep people out. The Celtic tribes who lived across the country weren't too happy about the Roman invaders taking over, and fierce battles took place. Famously, in AD 61, when Boudicca, queen of the Iceni tribe in East Anglia, burned Londinium. Although, she was ultimately defeated and was killed. Before we move on, have a look for a modern statue of a Roman emperor. Actually, it's two emperors. It has the head of Trajan and the body of Augustus. Pause the audio while you have a look around, but restart so I can guide you to our next location. Pause audio. Ready to move on? Now, after a heavy day soldiering and working, where was the best place for a Roman to go? A bathhouse, of course. So, Billingsgate Roman Bathhouse is where we're going to be heading next. Let's go. We're going to head west across Trinity Square Gardens, heading towards the city. Walk along Bywood Street, turning right into Great Tower Street. After 100 metres, turn left into St Dunstan's Hill, and at the far end, you will come to Billingsgate Roman Bathhouse. It's around a seven-minute walk. Pause the audio, walk until you get to Billingsgate Roman Bathhouse, and then restart the audio again when you're ready. Welcome to Billingsgate Roman Bathhouse, the only accessible Roman bathhouse in London. The remains of this Roman bathhouse were discovered in 1848 during the construction of the London Coal Exchange. During excavations, hundreds of Roman coins were found dating from the 4th century. The remains were preserved for over a century, until further redevelopment work in the 1960s gave archaeologists the chance to explore the ruins. We can tell from pottery found at the site that the building itself was built in the late 2nd century and had both a north and east wing, underfloor heating and a courtyard. It would also have had great views of the River Thames. The bathhouse itself was added in the 3rd century. So, what goes on in a bathhouse? Well, who better to ask than Felix? He was a slave in Roman times and something of an expert. Welcome to the bathhouse. I am Felix, a slave who will tend to your every need here. Is this your first time? Please, allow me to show you around. The bathhouse is not only a place for cleansing and relaxation, but also a place for citizens to meet, to discuss matters of importance, to trade, and also be entertained. On your arrival, you derobe and avail yourself to the tepidarium. This is a warm room to help you start to relax. Keep your ears open some gossip. When people arrive, they often have pieces of news to share. All the things I've heard, but as a slave, of course, my lips are sealed. Next, we move you to the Caldarium. This is a hot room where, as you sweat, we slaves will slather you in fine-scented oils and scrape your skin to leave it in fine form. And you will sweat as it gets very hot. And finally, it's into the Frigidarium for a bracing cold bath to tone and brighten your skin. Thanks, Felix. It sounds pretty good fun, if you ask me. The bathhouse was in use until the 5th century, when, as with many other Roman buildings, it fell into ruin after the Romans left Britain, and other things were built on the site. Have a look around, or perhaps come back later to find out more. If you want to stay, just pause the audio walk and restart it when you're ready to continue. Pause audio.
As we've heard, this building used to be right next to the river. We're now going to continue our walk and discover part of the bridge that the Romans built over the Thames at St Magnus the Martyr. Let's go! We're going to walk west along Lower Thames Street, but be careful as this can be a busy road. In around 200 metres, you will see a church on the other side of the road. Cross over the road at the crossing in front of the church. It's around a four-minute walk. Pause the audio, walk until you get to St Magnus the Martyr, and then restart the audio again when you're ready. Welcome to St Magnus the Martyr. This church was part of the medieval London Bridge and is home to a historical treasure that would have been at the heart of Roman London. If you find the Bell Tower archway, you'll see a large piece of wood attached to the wall. This 2,000-year-old piece of timber was either from the old Roman bridge or, more likely, one of the Roman wharves which lie beneath the church. A wharf is a place on a river where boats can dock and load and unload cargo and passengers. The timber dates from AD 75, which tells us that the Romans had set up trade on the Thames within three decades of arriving. Can you imagine life on the wharf at that time? Pleased to meet you. Trader Paulus at your service. You've picked a busy day for your visit. The river's packed with boats. The trading ships stay out in the deeper water. Whilst they may have flat bottoms, it's my job to collect the cargo in smaller boats like mine. Why not hop on? Just don't fall in. We've got all sorts arriving here from all parts of the empire. Folk want the finest goods now they've seen what the Romans have. Wine and pottery from Gaul and Italy, olive oil from Spain, marble from Greece and, of course, slaves. Well, these cargoes aren't going to unload themselves, are they? It's not just goods coming here. The empire's hungry for plenty from Britannia. Copper, tin, silver, corn, oysters and, of course, the Beerus Britannicus. You've heard of that, haven't you? It's a cloak, isn't it? Thanks, Paulus. Have a look around, or perhaps come back later to find out more. If you want to stay, just pause the audio walk and restart when you're ready to continue. Pause audio. Our next destination isn't far away. It's Fish Street, just up the hill. We're going to cross back over Lower Thames Street, and the road ahead of you is Fish Street. It's around a two-minute walk. Pause the audio until you get to Fish Street and then restart the audio again when you're ready. Welcome to Fish Street. Can you see any fish? Only joking. Although, this road has been home to many fishmongers in the past because it's conveniently near the fish market at Billingsgate. And for a time, it was the only place you were permitted to sell fish. But we're here for a different reason. You're standing on one of the most important roads in Londinium. It's one of the first streets in Roman London. It led from the Roman bridge over the Thames into the city, and it would have led straight to the Forum and Basilica. The Basilica was an administration building, and it would have been enormous! Even bigger than St Paul's Cathedral is today. It stood three storeys high and sat on a plot of two hectares. As well as city administrators, it would have housed law courts, an assembly hall, the treasury and shrines. The Forum was a huge open-air square, bustling with shops and market stalls. It was an important place for people to meet and party, a bit like Trafalgar Square is today. Whilst most of the Basilica and Forum have been lost into the annals of time, 
A little bit of an arch in one of the Basilica's arcades was discovered in Leadenhall Market in the 1880s and remains there today at the corner of Grace Church Street and Leadenhall Market. Just imagine, if we were in Roman times, this road would be crowded with people on their way to the Basilica and the Forum to do business, to shop and to meet with friends. Have a look around, or perhaps come back later to find out more. If you want to stay, just pause the audio walk and restart when you're ready to continue. Pause audio. Now we're going to discover a very strange stone. Onwards to Cannon Street. We're going to walk along Monument Street towards King William Street. At the junction, turn right onto King William Street. In 100 feet at the end of the road, turn left into Cannon Street. Walk along Cannon Street and look for the London Stone. It's on your right-hand side by 111 Cannon Street. It's around a five-minute walk. Pause the audio and walk until you get to the London Stone. And then restart the audio again when you're ready. Welcome to Cannon Street and the London Stone. Now, this might look like nothing more than a craggy old rock, but it's a very well-travelled rock and one of the heart of Roman and English history. It's made of oolitic limestone, which is a rather unusual name, but it's a type of stone that we know came to London with the Romans, who may have brought it from Rutland or even further afield. In fact, There's a lot we don't know about this stone, but there have been plenty of theories. One myth says the stone was brought by Brutus of Troy, who it said created the settlement of Londinium, but we can't know for sure. It's not the only myth surrounding this strange object. It's also been said that it was used for sacrifices to the gods and protecting the city. And, if it's destroyed, that London will fall. We know that near here, by Cannon Street Station, there was once a large Roman building. The Governor's Palace, no less. So this suggests that perhaps this stone might be from a monument. Or perhaps a sign or road marker giving distances to different places. The Romans were certainly innovative in the ways they built their road system and measured distance, as we can find out now from Marcellus the Builder. No one builds a road as fine as a Roman. The trick is to make them broad and keep them straight. After all, you don't want the Emperor's carriage tipping over on a bunch of curves, do you? We dig out a carriageway wide enough for both carriage and those on foot, or leading animals, and place stones in increasing size in layers set with sand and gravel, with broad cobbles on the top. As you need to know where you're going when you're building an empire, we measure distance in feet, meaning the distance of one step, and we count 5,000 steps as a mile, Mile being the Latin word for a thousand. Thanks, Marcellus. The miles we use today are a different type of measurement, but you can find Roman roads still in use today all over the country. It might have been easy to get lost. So maybe the Roman stone was a helpful marker giving directions and distances. Okay, let's continue our walk onto the Temple of Mithras at Walbrook. We're going to walk west along Cannon Street and turn right when you get to a road called Walbrook. The Temple of Mithras is on the left at 12 Walbrook. It's around a two-minute walk. Pause the audio, walk until you get to the Temple of Mithras, and then restart the audio again when you're ready. Welcome to the Temple of Mithras at Walbrook. 
Walbrook is one of London's lost rivers. Today it flows underground as part of the sewer system. It played an important role in Roman London as one of the city's boundaries, and the temple located here was a very mysterious place. The temple was built towards the end of the second century, but it was only in the 1950s that it was discovered when a new building was being built here. It was such an exciting find that people came from far and wide to see the ruins. But who was Mithras? And why did people worship him? It all starts with a legend. The religion of Mithras, or the Mysteries of Mithras as it was called, is thought to originate in Persia, a country we now know as Iran. It's said that Mithras was born from a rock in a cave and was super strong. So strong that he killed a divine bull, and that bull was enough to feed mankind for eternity. It might sound pretty fantastical, but Romans had strong beliefs about gods and goddesses and passed down many rich myths and stories, many of which we know today. Worshippers of Mithras recreated the cave setting by building their temples underground. It was popular with Roman soldiers and was a male-only religion, and one shrouded in secrecy. Only four temples have been found, but there may be many others yet to be discovered. Have a look around, or perhaps come back later to find out more. If you want to stay, just pause the audio walk and restart when you're ready to continue. Pause audio. Our next stop is a place for games and entertainment. We're off to the Guildhall and London's Amphitheatre. On leaving the temple, head south on Walbrook and shortly turn right into Bloomberg Arcade. At the end of the arcade, cross over Queen Victoria Street and turn into Queen Street. Continue along Queen Street, crossing over Cheapside into King Street. At the end of King Street, across the road is Guildhall Yard. It's around a seven minute walk. Pause the audio and walk until you get to Guildhall Yard. And then restart the audio again when you're ready. Welcome to the Guildhall, the home of the City of London Corporation, the centre of city government since the Middle Ages, and a place of great pomp and ceremony for hundreds of years. And the site it stands upon has an equally distinguished history, as was discovered in 1988. It was during construction work on the building of the Guildhall Art Gallery on the east side of the yard when, as they were excavating for the foundations, to everybody's surprise, they found the remains of a Roman amphitheatre. Londinium was always a very important city for the Romans, so it had always been suspected that there must be an amphitheatre, but no one knew where it might have been. The remains of the eastern entrance to the amphitheatre are conserved underneath the art gallery, and the arena is outlined in the yard's pavement. It would have been a really exciting place to visit. Perhaps we need to ask a Roman. Who goes there? Ah, visitors, welcome. I am Centurion Asius Actorio at your service. An amphitheatre was first built here in AD 70 as a place for the citizens of Londinium to hold public events, see wild animal fights, executions, and of course, gladiator battles. What fun we had. Well, those who won the battles had fun at least. Not as much fun for those being executed or torn apart by wild animals. But in those early days, it was merely made of wood. It was so popular and important that in the second century, it was rebuilt and its size increased so that no less than 6,000 people could attend. 
It is a shame that after we Romans returned to Rome, the place was dismantled and laid derelict. Over time, other buildings were constructed here, from timber houses of a Viking trade settlement and the Guild Hall itself. If you listen hard, you can still hear the roar of the crowd. That's the end of this walk around Rome in London. I hope you've enjoyed taking a look back in time with me, even though it's time for me to go. Before you go, why not visit the amphitheatre? It's downstairs in the Guildhall Art Gallery. Another interesting Roman building is All Hallows by the Tower. In the crypt of the church, you can see part of a plain Roman floor and traces of plastered wall. Remarkable remains of a 2nd century domestic house. And if you want to discover even more about Roman London, then a visit to the Museum of London is always good. Oh, I've also done a walk all about the Roman city wall, which is worth a listen to. Thanks for joining me, and hopefully I'll see you again soon. City of London Walks, produced by Inspiring Audio with support from the City of London Corporation. For more information on what to see and do in the city, visit the City Information Centre by St Paul's or www.visitthecity.co.uk. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Adam. Uh, Now remember, whatever you get up to, let us know. You can leave a five-star review wherever it is you're listening to this or get in touch at funkidslive.com slash activityquest. Here's what else is happening across the UK. Circus 1903 is back in London this Christmas, bringing all the spectacular thrills and daredevil spills of the golden age of the big top. You can expect acrobats, contortionists, trapeze artists, a death-defying high-wire act, and sensational life-sized elephants created by the puppeteers behind Warhorse. It's on from December 16th until January 2nd at the Royal Festival Hall. You can book your tickets now. Just search Circus 1903. And the biggest, best and coolest climbing wall in South Wales is at the Hangar in Swansea. Clamber on a climbing wall and even go bouldering. That's like climbing, but without a harness. Grown-ups, you don't need to worry. It's not as dangerous as it sounds. You can experience this extreme sport in safety. There are also locations in Liverpool, London, Plymouth and Sheffield. Theclimbinghanger.com is the place to find out more. And once the top secret home of the World War II codebreakers, Bletchley Park has been unclassified. That means you can take a look around families can expect an exciting fun-filled day out exploring the stories of spies and sabotage through films interactive displays and recreated war rooms pay once and you can visit all year bletchley is where alan turing worked the man who cracked one of the hardest puzzles in the world saving thousands of lives in the process it's open all year but is sometimes closed for filming it's a very famous place bletchleypark.org.uk is the place to find out more Remember to check before you travel and book in advance where you can. And whatever you do, tell them Activity Quest sent you. So as you may well know by now, George has been riding roller coasters all over the world with his friend Len, and I am very, 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 very jealous. Len Tester is a theme park ride expert, and they are ranking top coasters from all continents. Let's find out where we're heading today. Len Tester's Ultimate Theme Park Rides. You're listening to Fun Kids, and it's time now for the latest edition of Len Tester's Ultimate Guide to Theme Park Rides. Len Tester is a theme park expert. 
and he's applying some real data and science to come up with a list of the best theme park attractions in the whole world. We've got a really big leaderboard. It's shaping up nicely. 10 attractions currently in place in the leaderboard and we're going to be finding out what the latest one is today as we welcome Len. Today we're going to Florida and the ride we're talking about is the Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man at Islands of Adventure at Universal Orlando Resort. This is the first ride where where I got off it and I said, I legitimately don't understand how the things that just happened to me happened. And, and what, like, what, what, what were those things? What about it was just so mind-blowing? So it's a 3D ride simulator. You're on a, a ride vehicle, a trackless ride vehicle. So uh, imagine a smooth concrete floor on which a, a, a fairly substantial, like, you know, car-sized um, ride vehicle uh, is moving, but without a track. And you're in it. And the interesting thing about... Um, the ride vehicle is that it can not only move forward and back, but kind of uh, in turn left and right, but it can also spin around and tilt forward and backwards. But what makes the amazing adventures of Spider-Man different is that it was one of the first rides to use digital projection technology to make the rooms feel like things were moving even though everything was stationary. In the ride, you're following Spider-Man and he goes through and he's fighting various villains throughout the town. But um, using the projection technology and the vehicles that can spin, uh, tilt, and move, it feels like you're moving much faster than you actually are. There's this one scene where Spider-Man attaches his web to you and pulls you up the side of a building. Now, you're, you are firmly in a ride vehicle that does not leave the ground at any time. But imagine you're in a room with wallpaper around you, George, right? Yeah. And the wallpaper starts looking like it's dropping to the sides of you. You would feel like you're going up. Um, this is That's what happens with this ride with the projection technology. You never leave the ground, but between the ride vehicle tilting ever so slightly at exactly the right time, and the video projection technology and the 3D glasses, I actually grabbed onto the person next to me. Hold <laughs> like, tight. I, I, I didn't think this was happening on this ride, but something's going on. The story makes sense. It's, um, it, it's very fast paced, um, but the ride itself is not fast. So you don't go upside down or you know in a loop or anything like that. The visuals are just amazing. The ride sensation that you get on the ride vehicle is top notch this for the longest time this was my favorite ride in orlando this is the penultimate attraction which we've got to place on our leaderboard so we need a score for fun and innovation um i think this is gonna get some good scores here len what are you thinking i'm giving this a 10 out of 10 for fun there Ooh. is no uh there is it's very difficult to be better than this and then for innovation again i rode this thing a second time because i didn't understand how it worked 10 out of 10 a perfect score of 20 the perfect score of 20 out of 20 it is a whopping great big full marks from len tester that means it overtakes the kilimanjaro safari ride at the animal kingdom to go currently top of the leaderboard for len tester's ultimate guide to theme park rides that is huge but we do have one more attraction to come. We'll be finding out what that attraction is and how it fares in the next edition of Len Tester's Ultimate Guide to Theme Park Rides. Thanks, Len, and thanks to George as well. And just like that, we are done. Wow, that was quick. We've given you stuff to do, and now it's your turn to go and do it. Remember, there are loads of episodes of Activity Quest that you can go back and listen to any time you like. If you're after some more suggestions, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you fancy. 
whatever you do and however you do it. Tell us at funkidslive.com slash activity quest. And remember to rate, review and follow this podcast wherever it is you're listening to it. I'm Bex and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. Listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app and on your smart speaker. Just say play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See you then. The Space Programme is a Baffle Gab production for the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. You can listen to Fun Kids all day on your DAB digital radio, on your smart speaker by saying play Fun Kids and on the free Fun Kids mobile app. You can also listen online and play loads of games, quizzes, as well as find out the latest news at funkidslive.com. Um, it's got some amazingly pink and white flowers. The leaves look quite kind of f- like um, kind of furry, you know what I mean? It's a warm spring day in late March, and ever since the leaves have started to come out, Roby Joe has been wondering why some trees lose their leaves and some don't, and also like how the trees know when it's time to shed their leaves. To find out, join us on the conversations, Curious Kids, wherever you get your podcasts.